And welcome to Voice from the Hills. I'm James Warner, and today we're going to talk about college planning and preparation. And you know, as a wealth management firm, we typically think in terms of how much it costs and how much do you save to get there. But as parents, we all know that there's a whole lot more to it. And so to talk about that, we're fortunate enough to have Michael Davila and Anne-Marie Hatfield from College Inroads here joining us. Thanks They've helped us. hundreds of families navigate the college landscape over the last decade. And welcome, Mike and Anna. Thank you so much for having us, James. Yeah, let's start with a brief overview. Could tell us a little bit about yourselves and just a brief overview of your program. Sure. Uh, my name is Amory Hatfield. I'm one of the partners in College Inroads with uh, the founder of our company, Mike Davila. I have been in the Austin area for a very long time. Went to school here, Hookham. Proud graduate of the University of Texas. Been in higher education consulting since for probably the last 11 years. And as you mentioned, we have served... More than the numbers yesterday, we served more than 700 families through our full package. And um, we've been around the block a couple of times and have seen lots of different changes and shifts within our industry, especially here over the past couple especially of years. Especially the last 18 months, yeah. right? Yeah, sure. right. Right on. And Mike, how about you? Yeah, thanks, James. My name is Mike Davila. I graduated from the United States Naval Academy uh, back in 1994, which seems like an ancient history. <laughs> a while ago. That was a while ago. But things have changed in the college realm since then, for sure. I was lucky enough to be on faculty at the Naval Academy. That's kind of where I got my start into higher education. I went back and got my master's degree at the University of Texas back in the mid-2000s and founded College Inroads in 2009, brought Anne-Marie on board in 2011, and we've been to the, you know, off to the races since then. So we've been having a ton of fun. And... Uh, we feel really good about the the idea that we're helping students and their parents navigate this process more easily. Well, that's true. Thanks for sharing your time and your program with us. And so for us to get started, let's just give us a brief overview of your program. What is College Inroads? Yeah, go for it. Sure. So we are an educational consultant firm, and we help the high school students and their parents really with the whole process of getting into college. I call it soup to nuts. We literally do everything but college. And so we help with a career search, help the student figure out what building to apply to on campus. We help with the interview resume process. At the end of that, they'll have their own educational resume. Extensive college search really is one of the cornerstones of our company. It's all about the right fit for the student academically and for the family financially. Admissions application support is another big cornerstone of our company. So we help our students brainstorm what they want to write their college essays about and then help them with the critique and review of them after they've been written. We have staff that sits with all of our kids as they're working on their college applications just to make sure they're done correctly and done in a timely fashion. And then we also prepare and submit financial aid forms for all of our students. So it's a really comprehensive process. And we end at the very end of our process is an analysis of their financial aid award letters to see what the bottom line cost is um, and see if there's any opportunity to appeal for more. A lot of families don't know that in some cases college tuition is negotiable. And so we help all of our families with that process. Well, that's great. So we covered the end. Let's talk about the beginning. So in terms of best practices, ideally, when should a parent and their student start this process with you? For us, most of our students will come on board either in the freshman or sophomore year. We have some folks who come on as juniors 
and this year we'll have a few late stage screaming seniors that will come on board. But oh yeah, no, the expectations have to be managed there in a, in a big way. But typically, I would say so- end of sophomore year is a really great time to start. Although, as you and I were talking before the podcast began, the process of planning for college can really begin much much earlier than that. And you'd mentioned that you'd visited uh, quite a few schools. And I I see parents and students who are really trying to get ahead of the curve visiting a lot of campuses even before they engage with us, which is great. And then in in terms of what parents can do before they engage with you, what can they do to get ready? And what can the student maybe do to get ready to to hit the ground running with your process. Oh, absolutely. I think the, the, the thing that pops into my mind the most is related to the resume, actually, especially in this age of COVID, where many, many schools, actually over 500 colleges have gone test optional, meaning that they don't require an SAT or ACT to gain acceptance to the school. That means that the resume, other aspects of the application have heightened importance. So to me, in the freshman year, actually exploring, really doing a a good job of getting ingrained in activities or continuing activities that have been done through the intermediate school is a really great place to begin. Emory, is there anything you'd add to that? Yeah, the one thing I would add to that, especially academically, so for students that are planning on going to college, they can start taking high school classes in junior high. And so it's really important to look at taking Spanish when you're in seventh and eighth grade. It's really important, especially if your student is strong in math, to take algebra when you're in eighth grade to set them up to be able to take calculus as a senior. Because a lot of families don't understand the importance of starting early and when the student gets to the senior year and they don't get a chance to take calculus it's difficult to try to get into an engineering school for example so I think planning early and having that end goal in mind of college working backwards from that end goal will help them set up you know even better. Oh that's very good that's probably something hidden that kind of goes unnoticed that a mistake or a choice that you make in eighth grade can actually you know, impact whether or not you get into the right college or not. And but it those can. grades count. Absolutely. A lot of kids don't realize that. The classes that the kids take in junior high and in high school, even freshman year, that counts towards the transcript. The college is going to look at the transcript in its entirety from freshman, sophomore, junior, and then any classes they took in eighth grade that they got high school credit for. So they might think, well, I'm in eighth grade. I can just blow this off. And they really can't because that figures into the GPA calculation on the transcript. I would say one of the biggest uh, comments I get from students as they start to write their supplemental essays for college One of the common questions is, you know, as you look back on your academic career, is there anything you'd want to tell us that is outside of perhaps what's in the transcript or whatever? And a lot of times the students tell me, yeah, my freshman year, I goofed off. I didn't take it seriously. I really had no idea what I was doing. It wasn't until my sophomore or maybe even my junior year that I started to turn on the gas and actually start to get serious about making good grades and actually learning. So that's another piece of advice I would say is really, really look at that deeply in the freshman year. Try to expose yourself to a lot of different disciplines. One of the things I think about as well, in addition to that, is start to consider the major that you might be wanting to pursue early, even in the freshman and sophomore years, because 80% of the students in college will change their major, and the average is three to four times. So on your side of the fence, when you're talking about money, that's a big additional expense if you're spending five or six or seven years in college 
versus the standard four, or maybe even a truncated three. Yeah, in the wealth management world, we always assume that they're going to pick the right major to start, and, <laughs> and all that stuff is going to go. As long as we make enough uh, rate of return on the investments, we're, we're good to go. All so, good. Yeah. Right on. Uh, and there any other hidden things or, or, or gems that just kind of jump out and catch people before they before they know it? I would say the the other common trend that I see is that when people start to consider their college list, I would say they, they typically think of the common 100 schools, the schools at the top of the list. We're talking Harvard, Princeton, Yale, Stanford, Duke, UT, UT you know, those types of schools right off the bat, and those formulate then the, the corpus of their list. And the approach I would really suggest is to open the aperture initially, because there are over 2,200 four-year colleges across the country. And as you'd mentioned, Anne-Marie, there's a college for everybody. And so when you start to really consider the numbers, it's really important to find the right fit. And not everyone's going to be a great fit for Rice. Not everybody's going to be a great fit for Duke. So it's important to look at the entire spectrum of colleges at the very beginning. And to piggyback off of what Mike said earlier about the career, I think it's really, really important for students to get involved with activities that kind of correlate with that career when you're in high school. So if you want to go into business, join DECA. If you want to go into health science or be a doctor, you want to join HOSA, which is the Health Occupations uh, Students Association of America really, really important for the college to see that the students are doing their due diligence and doing the research into the industry that, not to sound dramatic, but they'll potentially be in for the next 50 years of their life. So it's important to start getting involved in those activities and that community service as well, because when they're completing their college applications, the colleges want to know what you've done freshman, sophomore, junior, and what you're planning on doing your senior year. And a lot of kids are kind of flat-footed coming out of the gate, and they don't do any of these activities when they're freshmen, and they don't wait and they wait until they're juniors. And I would imagine that extends to social media too, right? There's organizations you can follow. I, I would think if I'm going to apply to a college, I should be following them on my yeah. absolutely on and my just, social media. I wonder how many times that doesn't happen though. Yeah, a lot actually, and that you tie into something that's actually a really important trend that has been around for decades, but it's hidden from the the public in many ways. It's the idea that colleges are businesses. They have offices of strategic enrollment management where they are trying to handpick the very best students. At the, and bring them in at the very highest rate of pricing. So to me, that ties into families early on in demonstrating interest in the college. There are some colleges out there that will have an entire bevy of predictive models. So if you follow me on social media, if you visit the campus, if you interview with an admissions rep, those sorts of things give you points in the admissions process, especially for more selective uh, colleges. And you had mentioned something about social media earlier. I would I would caution kids to be very careful about what they put on social media because there are some universities that have departments who will go back through and do a Google search of what did you post on Twitter or, you know, Insta or Facebook, what have you. And so kids think, well, I could just post anonymously, and they really can't, so... I think it's really important for kids to be very careful about social media, especially starting in junior high going into college, because the colleges will look and they will find it. One other um, thing I would piggyback on, one of the things you mentioned, Amory, with preparation early, enrichment activities, you know, along with preparing with the right classes and, and clubs in school, 
especially if we're trying to gain acceptance to schools that have 30 or 20 percent or below acceptance rates, it's very common nowadays for students to have an enrichment activity in the medical field or the engineering field or whatnot in between perhaps their sophomore, in junior. In between the sophomore, junior year. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. So I think that, you know, that has to go into the planning process. You know, those things, when you start to look at when the applications for those special programs close, it's usually January or February. The, you know, the semester prior. So what I'm getting at here is it takes some advanced planning. It takes a little bit of strategic thought, even in the freshman and sophomore year, if you're going to be aligning to the most selective colleges. All right, let's move on to process. One of the things I found interesting when I reviewed your website is that you really break down this, this huge elephant, you know, into 12 bite-sized pieces. Uh, can you talk about that the 12-step process that you have and kind of give us a, an overview of it, what it looks like from beginning to end? Yeah, absolutely. I'm a former military officer, so everything needs a checklist and a process. So that's kind of where I think a lot of that came from. But to begin, it's important to begin with the end in mind. So um, often we're going to look at the career follows from that, the major. So we use several different assessments to help the student really figure out not only what are they good at and what are they like, but what does their personality suggest they should go into? And oftentimes when I ask the parents that they had an opportunity to go into something like that as a kid, they're like, no, I just guessed, or my parents told me what to do, or you know, some of their outside influence, like money or prestige, drove that process. For us, it's really important that we let the science talk, the research talk, let the student do the assessments, and then we interpret those in results which drives us toward a major. And as we spoke of before, that can help us really cut a bunch of cost off of the, the front end of college. And so how much of that work is done with student and advisor? How much of it is done in collaboration with student parent yeah, that's advisor? A, uh, you know, how does that work? Well, in this day and age, all the assessments are electronic, so the students are going to do them individually by themselves, hopefully. We don't want the parents actually interfering <laughs> with that process we want the authentic student voice but as we so the goal there is to keep the parents out of the process. yes exactly you know um, the students are usually okay with that i would absolutely imagine. they they want their voices heard but but when we go to interpret the results and start to talk about the trends and and to get into the the weeds we want the parents in on that conversation definitely because They've been with the student for 17 years, and at that point, we want some of their color commentary in that decision-making process. So is it kind of, sounds like kind of a biorhythm of steps. I mean, you're, you're, you're working with the student, bringing the parents back in, kicking the parents out, bringing the student back to the forefront. That's, that that's exactly kind of how right. It works? Yeah, it's very, very, I wouldn't say it's very fluid because it's very defined process. And where we bring the parents in is on the ground floor. You know, as we set the foundation, you know, for example, budget, what are we doing for, you know, merit aid? Is it, is it very important that we stay in state? That in our second step of the process is what we're getting into as we start to search for the right fit for college. So it's really important to have the entire group in these discussions at the very early stages, because if we don't do that, we could end up off in left field someplace, and we don't want that. We want a targeted approach at every step of the uh, process. Later in the process, as we get into really personal things, like what we might express in a resume or what we might respond to a certain essay question, the parents are... They can come into those meetings, but we really invite them to not be there because we want the student's voice completely as they do that individual work. Well, and the interesting thing about that as well is it really allows the student to start being able to advocate for themselves. Absolutely. And so at the beginning of the process, we have parent involvement in a couple of our meetings. 
but almost all of the meetings we have with our students are one-on-one with either their educational consultant or their application specialist. And so it allows them to kind of let the parents release the reins a little bit, get the student used to advocating for themselves. And it's almost like a bridge between high school and college with a safety net underneath. Absolutely. Um, you know. One of the other unique facets of our practice is we employ a client relationship specialist. And that person's job, her name is Dee Kohlhoff, by the way, she, her job is to make sure that as parents go through the process kind of in tandem with the student, if they have any questions, oh my gosh, I'm really concerned that Johnny's off track, Dee is the person who's the process manager. She is making sure that that student is right on track. She's scheduling appointments. She's making sure all of the, the nitty and the gritty is being paid attention to. And she's taken all the slings and arrows then, too. Oh, well, she's, she's got a thick skin. We've trained her well. <laughs> <laughs> she's amazing. She, she really is, is the, the glue that holds our practice together. Yeah. We call her the office mom because she's the one that follows, follows up with the kid. Well, your educational consultant set a deadline of two weeks, and it's two weeks in one day. And where's that resume that you promised? And so she's the pusher. She's, she's the, the lady that keeps the kids on track, if you will. And it allows the parents to take more of a hands-off position. And it relieves a lot of stress. That's good. Um, so in, in, in addition to controlling the aspects of the program, you're controlling the pace, too. Absolutely. Right. Some so that's got to be a huge thing. It right? is a big deal. Every student's a little different, but what we found is we have a really nice, well-honed machine when it comes to the baseline process. But some students, for example, with learning differences, they're not going to be able to get through their essays quite as quickly as perhaps some other students. So we allot for more time for those students. We actually have specialists on staff who know the learning differences world. And that, that's another aspect I would bring up here is that whereas in many folks in the IEC world or independent educational consulting world, it may be a solo practice, and I would say 90% of the time. We have a staff of 21 people, so we work as a team in concert to make sure that everyone is served as best as they possibly can be with the time that we have with them. It is a structure, and there are specific goal posts that each of our students hit, but it's very customizable within that structure. And so if students need to go faster or slower, if students need more help in one area and less help in another, then, then we can adjust and customize that process even within that structure. But it's the structure, I think, that really lends a lot to relieving of the stress because they know that key points are going to be hit at different points along the way. And all that is expressed, actually, every student gets a web portal, which is customized to them. They have files, they have due dates, everything is right there. Parents often jump on that and are able to see exactly where their student stands if there's any questions. So we really love that aspect of of being mobile. You know, a lot of students are out and about doing lots of things, and they are able to you know, to interact with us no matter what through their phone. So going... uh, Well, and the UI and the dashboard has to be just of the utmost importance, right? Because the young young people today just aren't going to work with you if you don't have a good user interface. That's right. It's got to be very simple, very clean, but powerful. And, you know, things like calendar events, everything like that is integrated. So it makes their life a lot easier in the long run. But in the, in the overall scheme of things, once we get past the career search and the college search phase, we start then to drive down into the individual student's needs and desires. So we start to develop the resume with the student. And we We've harvested, gosh, hundreds and hundreds of resumes over the years, and we have found a format that we feel is the most powerful. It expresses so many things to the colleges that may not come out in other elements of their application. So we use a very unique uh, resume format, and then we move into interview preparation and help the students 
you know, set themselves further apart. Because that's one of the big themes, especially if we're applying to more selective schools, is that with this year of COVID-19, most highly selective schools that are very visible are receiving something on the order of 40% more applications than the year before. Wow. It is ridiculous. So you have schools like NYU that are getting 100,000 plus applications through their front door for a handful of freshman slots. So it's really important for students to start to realize how important the resume, how important the interview process is, how important their essays are. So it's a it's a very much a foundation centered around the career search and the college search, but then we start building upon that as we get into the more uh, unique aspects of the students. Well, and even in the off chance where it doesn't directly help them in their college search, I mean, you just mentioned three things that you are really important when you get into the business world. I mean, you have to be able to write persuasively and shortly. You have to be able to present yourself in a resume format, and you have to be able to conduct an interview both giving it and receiving it, right? I could see how that would be great training regardless of the of the benefit, and of course you hope it, it helps on the on the college side. For and sure. for the kids, I would say that an interview is just a scary word for a conversation with an mm-hmm. admissions rep. We want, and Mike mentioned this earlier, expression of interest. We want the students to let the colleges know that they're interested. And one of the ways to do that is to interview with with one of the people that's going to be reading the essays and one of the people that's going to be making the first round of notes on their college applications to become a person, a human being, and just instead of some random name and number on a piece of paper. And so it's those soft skills that we help develop through our process to your point, that's going to help them much later on in their lifetime as well. Absolutely. Okay. Another, another element that we dive into just a little bit is SAT and ACT preparation. We have a software program that helps the students prepare for those tests. And as we've mentioned several times, many colleges have gone test optional. But yet, our adage, our you know the mantra that we keep repeating to the students is they may be test optional on the surface, but... When you start to look at the competition, other students who may have scored a 34, a 35, a 36 on the ACT, they're submitting those scores. Sure they are. So we need to come to the table with something as well. So when students ask, hey, can we go test optional? If they're looking at those super visible schools, the answer is no. We, we definitely have to go with test scores. So. And one thing I'll say to that, too, is uh, we can be strategic, and we are strategic with our clients to help them figure out which schools we want to send scores to and maybe which schools we don't. Exactly. And so we want to be able to show the kid in the best light possible. And if they have really solid test scores, especially in comparison to what a particular school is looking for, then we want to be able to highlight that. And if not, you know, then there's an opportunity potentially not to send those scores if that particular school is test optional. Absolutely. I would say one other element that uh, we really take a lot of effort and pride in is the essay preparation portion, helping the students brainstorm. What parents sometimes don't realize is that colleges, they're very experienced in reading the essays. So if there's a temptation for the the parent to jump in and start to draft, start to write, they're going to know. I I assure you. Immediately. Immediately. They can tell from the diction, the pace. They can look back and see the SAT writing score. I mean, there's a lot of different ways the college can kind of discern whose voice are we hearing here. So it's really important for us for authenticity. But it's also really important to spend a lot of time really constructing the themes, the narratives. And that's almost an art form. And that's where 
you know, through our experience of working with hundreds and hundreds of clients, we've started to realize this is what needs to be done. Here are the processes that will help the students really understand that the colleges want to hear about character traits. They don't necessarily need to hear about the football game and the, you know, the, the three-point shot being made at the buzzer. I mean, that's fine. But there's a lot more depth that goes into this, especially when you look at the upper echelon schools that will use college uh, essay supplements that will dive way deeper into the, you know, the student's psyche and what they're thinking and how they've approached the college process. So we'll help them so with, do, with that. Do you find process. that a successful student that goes through this program feels like they had an accomplishment in getting into the college that's individual to them and not something their parents kind of ran the show and... And, and now I'm going to go to this college. Do you feel like there's a different mindset after the process? I think by the time they've written their essays and developed their college list, there's ownership. Yeah. This is this is the school I really fit. This is where I really want to go. And they have real reasons why they're going to those schools. One of the most common supplemental essay questions is, why are you applying to XYZ school? And you know, through doing that, it is shocking to me how many students, when they initially consider that question, they're saying, well, I want to go to NYU because it's in a big city and it's well known and they have great programs. But that's about as deep as they get initially. Once they're done with that process, they should be able to list three or four really specific reasons why that school is a great fit for them. And not only that, why are they a good fit for the institution, which is an entirely other, you know, another really important question. And so give me an idea, how long does it take a student to complete the full journey? What, what are we talking about? Generally speaking, we take a student from wherever they stand, oftentimes second semester of sophomore year, all the way to when they matriculate to college. That whole process, we are with that student. And I would say the biggest thing that we pride ourselves on is the relationship that we form, not only with the student, but the parents as well. Because one of the greatest compliments we have is when we have second or third student come on board or fourth or fifth, you know, sometimes that will occur. And that to me is the greatest vote of confidence. Then we've seen that we've had a great effect. And I attribute that to the relationship that we've formed with the student and the parents. Well, we don't really turn it off at that point in time either, because we get a lot of clients that will call us even after their kids have graduated from college. You know, they are, they need help in this aspect or, you know, they, they've already gone to graduate school. They still don't know yes. what they want to be when they grow up. Can we go back through yeah. and pay you to do that career search all over again? Or, you I, know, how do I fill the FAFSA out again? I mean, it's, it's we never really stop. Yeah. I, had, I had a text yesterday from a student who went to Harvard, and she's taking a gap year when she just graduated. But she's going to go to medical school the year after, and mom is asking questions about financial aid. Hey, is she an independent student now? Do we have to consider our finances? So, yeah, we take pride in the fact that we, we get these calls, you know, yeah, we after. Really turn it off. Yeah, it's right when they graduate high school and then right. they're done. We're with them for as long as they need us. Right. And then the the FAFSA, the CSS profile, those mm-hmm. those sorts of financial aspects have it come into play. And you guys also help with that. That's correct. And another thing I think that that sets us apart from other educational consulting firms. Many of them will not touch financial aid or any of the finance aspects with a ten foot pole because it tends to be a quagmire. It is there are so many rules and regulations and steps that need to be done to fill out those accurately that they turn to us. And part of our background is in the finance realm, so we've had. I don't know. How many FAFSAs and CSS profiles have we done? Hundreds. Hundreds, if not thousands. So we've been around that block a few times. I mean, it's a really important thing to to focus on as well because a lot of the clients that we work with are of a specific, you know, um, 
socioeconomic. Yes, that's exactly yes. the word I'm looking for. And so a lot of our clients don't want to, don't feel the need to have to prepare these financial aid forms. But one thing that parents don't realize is that the Texas legislature last session passed House Bill 3, which requires high school students starting uh, or graduating starting in 2022 to prepare and submit a FAFSA in order to be able to get their diploma. And so they're making it required. It's something that we've done for all of our clients for the past almost 11 years, food stamps to millionaires. We do it for everybody, and now it's required. And so a lot of educational consultants aren't familiar with that process. And so to Mike's point, I think that's something that sets us apart as well. Now we're going to talk about some more uh, personal stories. Let's start with maybe some success stories, uh, ideal uh, clients, things that just really worked out. Anything come to mind? Absolutely. I have a couple of really good gem ones. One of them, I think... I think one of my favorites is one of our clients several years ago was literally 20th from the bottom of their class. There were 480th out of 500 kids. And that kid was able to get into four of the six colleges that he applied to. And he got a nice $20,000 scholarship to go to the University of the Incarnate Word. His mama said that they took a kid who hated school, and now he's actually graduating from graduate school. And so... I love to hear that type of that feedback. And that goes to what Mike was saying earlier is we work with a lot of siblings. And so the only reason why we know that is because we work with kid two and three of that family. And when we were working with the third kid, the mom who we became friends with said, you're never going to believe it. He's going to graduate school. And so I think that's a, a pretty big success story for us because there really is a college for everybody. If the kid wants to go to college, the kid can go to college. There is a college for everybody. And not a lot of people know that. But, I mean, if you set up a process that sets them up to succeed, you know, that's a that's a different thing because here's a student that's dealt with their share of setbacks. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they can't really look forward to college with any kind of you know, confidence. With any or, kind of confidence or anything right. like that. And so it's important to... To do that, but four out of six and a scholarship. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's pretty. Mom was over the moon, and his yeah. grandma lived in San Antonio, so he got to go hang out with his grandma all the time too. So it was it was a really neat story. Oh, very cool. Another one that pops to mind is a family that we worked with a number of years ago. The kid walked into our office only thinking about one school. He was only going to Western State, Colorado. Oh, yeah. The only school he ever wanted to go to. Yep. Grant. And so he walked in the office and said, I don't need you guys. I know exactly where I'm going. And so his mama dragged him on the airplane to go to Oklahoma. Interestingly enough, the major that he was interested in, there was only six or seven colleges across the U.S. and Canada that had his major. And the school he wanted to go to was one of them, but there were two schools in Oklahoma that had that major. And so his mama dragged him on the airplane and said, Mike said you need to go visit these schools, so we are going to visit these schools. He stepped on foot of Tulsa University and fell in love. In fact, he was on the, the cover of the business school magazine his very first year. He ended up being an ambassador and a like a tour guide for the university. Oh, wow. Got an amazing internship his junior year of college that translated into his career out of college. It was really an amazing experience. And, and that all of that to say, a lot of kids come into our office with one school in mind. 
And, you know, if, if that's the school that they end up going to at the very end of the process, at least they've done their due diligence. At least they've tried to uncover all of the other options out there. And at least they're not going, well, what if? What, what if I would have, you know, been more diligent about my choices? Because they might end up at the same school at the end of the day, but at least we've explored all the options. I think that's a great point because you think about most of the time when we think about people needing help in college preparation, it's because they don't know what they want to do or they're not sure about career or not sure about school. But sometimes those people who really need help are the ones who maybe locked on to one a little too early and a little too hard. Right, right. That's absolutely true. I think about a case study that happened about three or four years ago now. I'll never forget the first time I met this family. Um, Dad was a New York City beat cop. He busted into our office like he owned the place. Was he in uniform? He wasn't in uniform, but he he might have ripped his clothes off and had a uniform on underneath. I don't know. But it was really unique because their family situation was one where they have a a divided family, you know, divorced parents, and that happens a lot. Student had a 35 on the ACT out of a perfect 36. Really, really bright student. He had taken 15 AP classes at a very, very prestigious, nice public high school here in town yet had a 3.2 so we're sitting here looking at all of these schools dad's like oh yeah you can get into harvard or yale stanford duke all these i'm like oh no 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 that's not going to fly so we had to really go to the drawing board on the college list and it turned out you know a lot of local schools turned the student either down or didn't give him any scholarships but one school in new jersey where we pulled out of the hat was stevens institute of technology that's a really fine engineering school. They offered him $45,000 a year to go to that school. Well, so the cool thing about that is he came back either the, oh, that yeah. Christmas or the Christmas after yep. to thank us. Right. Because he had such a good experience at that particular university that he never would have known of had it not been for us. Right. And now he's in an environment in which he's thriving. I mean, it's so right. amazing to be able to le- legit change a student's life. It's, it's really cool. Yeah. Most of our successes, though, are not, you know, hey, we got into Case Western Reserve or Skidmore, Pepperdine, Rice, RPI, all these schools. Yes, we do have those successes. But to me, I count our success when we look at a student and they tell us, yeah, I'm really satisfied with this college list. This reflects me. Oh, I never would have thought to write about this topic for my essay. Oh my gosh, you know, I really had an epiphany as I started to look at my my career search results. Really, I shouldn't be a pharmacist. I really need to be a, a nursing, you know, student or something like that. To me, those small victories are the things that pave someone's successful path, and we feel really privileged to even be a part of that. I mean, my favorite words out of a student's mouth is, "I never could have done this without you." Right. One of one of my client one of our clients called us a couple of months ago a Sherpa. And I, I mean I love that analogy because they do the work. They, they have the work. to do the work. But we're there to guide, direct, you know, push them, bring them back off on bring them back on track if they get off track. But it's nice it's it's so nice to hear that because that's why we do this. It's to, it's to help and and to make a difference in somebody's life. And well, if you're, there, if you're their Tenzing Norgay, then you, you, you helped them climb Everest, right? <laughs> That's right. That's yep. right. They, they can plant College. the flag, but you were right there. You're right so. there. Yeah, helped absolutely. them climb Mount College, that's for sure. Well, guys, thank you so much, uh, Mike and Anna, thank for you, joining James. us today. And uh, just a quick question, if you would just tell people how our listeners and clients, tell them how they can find out more about College Inroads. Sure. We're online, www.collegeinroads.com. We're also on Facebook, we're on LinkedIn, you know, some of the other social channels. 
You can also give us a call at our office at 512-200-3626 or shoot us an email at info at collegeinroads.com. We'd love to chat with you. Well, guys, thank you very much. James, thank you. Thanks so much.